I'm reading from Psalm 46, which can be found on page 570 of the Church Bible. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Well, thank you very much, Rosemary. Um, I'll just give a little background to this particular sermon. Uh, I was asked to lead a service on uh, New Year's Eve, uh, which was a, a bit more of a, a different sort of service. It was held downstairs and people gave their testimonies and, uh, and I was going to be preaching at it. Um, and I'd asked too many people to give their testimonies and we ran out of time for the sermon. So now you're getting New Year's Eve sermon this evening. So Happy New Year, everybody. Um, what we're looking at uh, this morning uh, is uh, the question of facing the future. Uh, don't know if the PowerPoint's going to come up. Ah. I have to apologise for the background on this. It, it's, um, it looked very good on my com computer screen at home. It's actually covered with question marks, and then there's like a little tunnel going through the question marks with a light at the end of it. it it's very evocative, but totally invisible, I'm afraid, on that. Um, but just use your imagination a little bit. When facing the future, it's something we all have to do, some people prefer not to, uh, but uh, we, we don't have a lot of choice about it, do we? Um, facing the future, there's all sorts of questions that arise, hence the apparent illustration. It's better on the screen at the back there. Um, but nonetheless, we, it's something we're going to be looking at this morning, based upon that Psalm uh, 46, where it talks about God helping us and so on. Because one of the things we can be fairly convinced about is that there may be trouble ahead. Now, I know that some of you have got a tune going through your head at this particular moment. It may be a generational thing. Um, I, I ran it past the music group earlier on, uh, partly as revenge for them laughing at me dancing as, I, uh, as they were playing music and I walked in. But, um, but uh, I, I've got a couple of problems with that particular uh, phrase. Um, one of them is that song. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, the words go, 
Uh, it's an Irvin Berlin, uh, Berlin song from 1936. It was featured in uh, Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers' film, Follow the Fleet. And the words go, there may be trouble ahead, but while there's moonlight and music and love and romance, let's face the music and dance. Now, what's wrong with that? Well, partly, I don't think it's a particularly good philosophy of life to live with. It's, it, it sounds great, doesn't it? But it's very much just the moment. It's <laughs> they're not facing the future, they're facing the music, and they're just going into that sort of lovely sort of romantic world of music and dance and so on, that it's just a short-term fix that solves nothing. It's very much the eat, drink, and be merry uh, approach to life. For tomorrow, you die. The time comes when the music stops, the darkness falls, the romance fades, love turns to anger, fun to sadness, and all the plenty, the food, the drink, the possessions, slip away between your fingers to be lost forever. What then? When we face the future, we need to be realistic. And that really comes to my uh, next reservation about that particular phrase, and that is, I think it's too optimistic, strangely enough. I think it's much more definite that there will be trouble ahead. Not just may, there will be trouble ahead. I couldn't resist the urge to do that on the screen. Um, that's how my lecturers at university always used to treat my essays. If they couldn't find fault with what I'd written, they found fault with my grammar, my uh, phrasing and so on. Um, and so there will be trouble ahead. Not may, but will. Now we come to a God who is described in this psalm as being our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time and trouble. He is a refuge to go to. He is a place where we can be safe and secure. We have refuges uh, that are actually called refuges, women's refuges and, uh, and so on. Um, going back in, in time a bit, uh, places like castles were seen as being places of refuge where the, uh, the, the population of the surrounding villages to escape from invading armies would go and retreat behind the walls, a place of refuge and safety. And God is our refuge, a, a place to be safe. God is our strength. And it's not just in the sense that he gives us strength, but he is strong. It's not just down to us to be strong, but we have one who takes care of us, who is able to fight for us, who is able to protect us, and he has the strength to be able to do that. He can overcome our enemies, and he is our ever-present help in time of trouble. Yeah, trouble will come. There, there will be trouble ahead, but our God is our ever-present help. There aren't days when he takes a day off, doesn't sort of only work six days a week or five days a week or four days a week. He's there all the time, day and night, month after month, year after year, decade after decade. No matter what the trouble is, he is able and he is willing to be there and to help us. And he does so because he loves us and he has compassion upon us, his people. God is our 
strength and our refuge, an ever-present help in time and trouble. So what are the dangers and uncertainties that we face? Well, at this point, I could get carried away and go on until lunchtime, and I'm sure you'd rather I didn't. So I'm just going to give you a few uh, uh, possible uh, suggestions here. And if I don't mention the particular trouble that you're facing or likely to face, doesn't mean to say that God doesn't care about it, it's just that I haven't thought about it or I don't have time. But you can apply the principles to whatever circumstances we face. But look at where the psalmist goes when he talks about the sort of troubles that might occur. Uh, he talks very much in the physical, practical uh, sort of things, which uh, maybe you think this is overplaying it a bit. Well, maybe in a sense he is, but he's making the point. Therefore, we will not fear. <laughs> Remember that point. The, the whole point of God being able to help us is so that we don't need to be afraid of the future. We can face the future with confidence in God. I'm not saying we can face the future saying nothing bad's ever going to happen, but we know that we're going to be accompanied through all of those difficulties and darkness by the one who is able to do more than we can possibly ask or imagine. Therefore we will not fear, this is verse 2, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. That's a very physical, very uh, dramatic way of putting the sort of troubles. If we faced that happening, we would be having problems, wouldn't we? Um, we, we we've seen so much on the news over the last few years of, uh, of floods and rivers bursting their banks, not just the, the, the little gentle way it does it in this country, devastating though it is for those houses, who, uh, people whose houses get flooded and so on, but you look at some of the things happening in other parts of the world and whole villages get swept away into the sea. Uh, you see earthquakes and so on. So it's a dramatic picture, but what it is, is it's actually showing that these are sort of changes that you don't normally expect to see, that are out of the ordinary. The things which we often regard as being permanent. You know, when you walk home after church, you're not going to be walking down, you probably are now, but you, you wouldn't normally be walking down the high street wondering if everything's going to give way under your feet. If you go on holiday up to North Wales and you get across the A5 and driving up through Chirk and Llangollen uh, and Corwen, at some point you come to the point where you can look up and you see the mountains in the distance. If it's not raining, if it's not misty, cloudy, um, which isn't a foregone conclusion. But as you get up there, and you look, and you look up and you see the mountains in the distance, you're not surprised, are you? You're not saying, oh, they're still there. They're, they're permanent. You expect to see them. They're part of the, f the fixtures and fittings. A lot of the troubles that we have affect the things which we take for granted, that we regard as permanent. It's the changes, the uncertainties that become hard to deal with. And you don't need to think very far uh, uh, back in, <laughs> in your own lifetime to see things that have changed, how things have changed <laughs> in our own lifetimes. That they, they have, haven't they? You think of uh, the, the various things which are now acceptable in our society, which not so long ago would have thought to be dreadfully immoral and dangerous. You think of uh, the various changes we've seen in, in, in the political world, across, across the world. Think of all the wars and conflicts 
you know. And you think that the First World War was said at the end of it to be the war to end all wars. Uh, I didn't check uh, this weekend to, uh, to see if the figures changed, but certainly at the end of last year, it was reckoned that there were 32 wars and conflicts going on around the world at this time. And that may well have changed in the, the, the weeks since then. There are wars that affect us, even though they're not taking place in this particular part of the world. Uh, there are more people who seem to know what they're talking about, looking at the possibility that the, some of these conflicts could spread uh, and embroil us even more. We know that there's going to be a general election this year, in all likelihood either this year or in the very few, uh, very start of next year, be this year, I'm sure. And what changes that that's going to bring about and the uncertainties that arise. Um, you think of the American elections, that's just in the world of politics. All the, you know, the, the strange things that go on. Not all change, of course, is, is bad. And you look back over, say, the last hundred years, and, and we are immensely better off and, uh, and more comfortable and safer now than we were then. Or are we? When I was a child growing up, my parents thought nothing about letting me go out to a drama group as a teenager uh, and coming home through the streets of North London at 11 o'clock at night, having been to the pub on the way. I don't think they knew about that bit. Um, I went back to the same streets as an adult some 20 years later and I felt frightened walking down the high street at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. How things change? Always for the better. Some things are good, some things are not. Change comes and some of the things we regard as being permanent are so predictable can be swept away in a moment or two. We have people who often are amongst us in our own congregation uh, who, who know the truth of that in their own homeland. Things that wouldn't have been dreamt of when they were born. We have confused and powerless politics made fragile by the bullying pressure groups and influences we see the abandonment of truth and the lies that we are fed day by day. And of course we face all the usual <laughs> issues of, of life and death, of health, <coughs> bereavement, facing death. There are so many things, the dangers and uncertainties, and that's before we even get into the, the, the realm of, uh, of spiritual matters, of persecution and uh, of uh, the enemies of the Church of Jesus Christ encamping around us to start to destroy us. These things happen in other parts of the world. Do not imagine that they cannot happen here. They have done in the past. We face so many dangers and uncertainties. You can add to that list more and more, I'm sure. But the psalmist goes on, having described these, this great disaster that could take place, symbolically, he then speaks of another place, and it's where we belong. And he talks, first of all, about a river. Verse 4, there is a river whose streams make glad 
the city of God. What is this city of God? It's the place where the most high dwells. Where God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. This, this city of God is a, a picture that we find again and again in the scriptures. Perhaps most <laughs> profoundly in the book of Revelation. Uh, and this idea of the river flowing through it. That rivers perhaps we, we don't take so much notice of. We're not in the same way these days. Uh, we would regard a, a, a river uh, from its sense of, of beauty. And we, it might be a nice place to go and sit by and watch the swans go by, uh, sit down at a riverside restaurant and have a good meal. Um, but people in the time that this was written, rivers were valuable commodities. They were what made cities viable. It's where people got their water for drinking and for cooking and for washing in. Without it, there would be no, <laughs> no resources for people to live there in any great number. Uh, it's often their means of transport. Um, it's uh, rivers sustain cities. And the picture of the river flowing through the city of God, it's described as the river of life. It's life-giving and it flows from the throne of God. This is describing the place where God has his dwelling place. It's not a place that you could go to, you can't catch a plane or a bus or drive your car to it, but it's just as real as Wem or Shrewsbury or London. It is a place where God is and we see the safety and security of that place because it is, it is God's city. No enemies will be found within it. No sin will be found within it. If you read the last chapters of the book of Revelation, it, it talks about this wonderful place where God is and we go to meet him there. And <laughs> there's no more sorrow. Even su such, uh, such that he wipes, it says he wipes away our tears. There is no more pain, no more illness. Everything is made new. And <laughs> that is where, if, if you're a Christian, you're going to end up for all eternity in that wonderful, safe place where God, where we'll be able to see God and to rejoice in him and know that all the trials and tribulations and troubles of this uh, present age in which we live will have passed away. That's something to hold on to. And that's where we belong. The Bible describes us uh, as people, uh, as Christians, who are people who are strangers and aliens or foreigners in our present world. If you ever go to a foreign country, maybe on holiday or go to work there, you will know that every country is different. I mean, even different regions within uh, the United Kingdom are different. And you notice it as you move from one place to another. And you are noticed as you move from one place to another. Uh, Italians, the Italians and French can spot an Englishman from a mile away, generally by the way that he dresses, walks and behaves. Uh, you can spot Brits in many parts of the world uh, by the way which they're shouting at people in English, hoping that they will understand just by the volume uh, 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 of their speech or the arrogance or the fact that sometimes 
if they're a bit like me and they're not concentrating, they're driving down the wrong side of the road. Things vary, don't they, from place to place. And we are like that in this world. We are foreigners, we are strangers, we don't fit in. We don't, <laughs> we aren't to be the same as those around us. We accommodate ourselves to various practices of this world, you know, we, we do drive on the correct side of the road and we, we, we eat the same food and so on, it's not, not differences like that. But our attitudes should be different because our attitudes belong to the kingdom of God, that's our nationality. And we, we should be showing the family resemblance of, of being in the family of God. And the real blessing and benefit of this, whilst we're in this foreign land, we are protected by the king that we belong to, by the, all his people who are working in this land that we stand side by side with, by the encouragement that we receive from being in, in a church with the people of God. This is where we belong. This is really more of our home in here with each other than with the communities outside us. And God fights for us. He protects us. He watches over us. He never lets us go. God is always in control. You see that in, in these words. Um, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Look at verse 6 though. He, having described the city and how God will help us at break of day and, uh, and so on. He th then talks about nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. And you think of all the turmoil, all the difficulties, all the uh, evil doings of, 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 the, of this world. And you're thinking, how can we cope with this? How can we do something about this? How can we change things? And just, here we read, God lifts his voice. He speaks, and the earth can melt. He has that sort of power. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, verse 7. And then there's this invitation to stop and to think about God. God is in control, and it talks uh, about what he has done. Uh, come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And you can look back over history, and you see how God has been at work within uh, countries across the world in the growing growth of his church, in the preaching of the gospel, in the way in which societies have been changed. We're going to sing a hymn at the end of the, uh, uh, the, 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 this service that's based upon Psalm 46. And I, I remember the first time I sang it, it was in Guildford Cathedral. And I was going to a youth rally there. And teenagers from many, many churches right around Surrey were... Uh, we're coming to this particular event and the, the idea was that we would all walk to Guildford uh, as many as possible along the old Pilgrim's Way that runs through the, t uh, the town and we'd meet up for a service in, in Guildford Cathedral in the afternoon uh, and the place was full, absolutely crammed with teenagers who had come to Guildford Cathedral to worship God from churches all around Surrey and you think 
I still look back to that time because I was in a church that had a hundred teenagers in its young people's fellowship. I went to a school where pretty much half the members of staff were Christians. And you think, God is able to do that again today. You know, where certainly in, in my class at school, there were more Christians than non-Christians. And the, the non-Christians were very tolerant of, uh, of Christian things. That's how much has changed when we look at some of our schools today. God is able to do more than we can possibly ask or imagine. God is in control and there will be times of blessing. There will be times when he withdraws that blessing, often as a judgment upon the land, upon the people in that land. But he always protects his people. He never leaves us or forsakes us. But also these verses are looking forward to things that have not yet happened. There is a, a, a tense in Hebrew. Uh, you know what tenses are and verbs and things like that? Please don't ask me to explain it to you afterwards because I'm absolutely rubbish at, at grammar. Uh, I, I never got taught it in English and so I didn't understand what on earth they were talking about it when we learnt foreign languages. And Hebrew is more foreign than, than, than some languages are, I can tell you. But I'm told that there is a verbal tense that talks about the prophetic past, which is basically something that's looking forward, to but, but, or prophetic present, I think, but basically looking forward, but speaking as if it's happening or has happened. Work that one out. But it's talking about things that, that will happen. You know, he makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. That is what the future looks like when God finally says, the end has come. Let's stop all this nonsense and everything made right. And the day of judgment comes. Consider what God has done and what he will do. The world is not just like some sort of clockwork toy that's been wound up and left to run and eventually will stop, stuck somewhere under a sofa. It is something that's in the hands of God. And he is working out his purposes and you and I are part of that. What does he call us to do? Does he want us to be uh, great big, you know, um, soldiers for truth and uh, 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 and so on, you know, speaking out left, right and centre, well maybe some are called to do that. What he asks us all to be is holy, to be godly, not to be shy of our faith, but to get on with being a Christian, being a foreigner in a foreign land and showing people what God is like. If you are concerned about things like politics and so on, can I commend to you the uh, Christian Institute meeting on, on Thursday evening, seven o'clock at St. George's uh, Church in Shrewsbury. Uh, I know several of us are, are going there. I'd encourage you to come and join us there. Uh, they are always very informative and helpful meetings. There are things which we can do and should be doing, but remember that it is God actually who does it. So what he has done and what he will do and I'll put, now listen, because here we come to an instruction, the last few verses of, uh, of the psalm. He says, be still and know that I am God. 
Be still and know that I am God. That should be our first response, not trying to rush around and fixing everything. When you're facing trouble, what's your immediate response? Some people say, I'm going to fix this. Don't worry, I can sort it out. Some people are like that. Do you just go, oh, woe is me, I'm undone, and wallow around in a sea of self-pity? Go and watch television. Do you ignore the signs and just hope for the best? You know, face the music and dance. What do you do? Our first response should be to be still, to stop and remember your creator. In the words of the hymn, remember God. Be still and know that I am God. Remember his positive promises. Remember the hope that he brings you. Remember his love and grace and mercy that he gives to you. And remember that anything that we should do should be in accordance with his will. You will not change things, but God may change them through you. And it may not be on an international scale. You may not be a peacekeeper working for the United Nations, but you might be a peacekeeper within your own family. You might be a peacekeeper within even the church. You might be a peacekeeper who takes the message of peace to your colleagues and your friends, non-Christians in your family. Just be what God wants you to be and live in accordance with his will. I'm just going to close with the last verse. It's a repetition of one that we've already mentioned, verses 7 and 11. The Lord Almighty is with us. Don't forget that. Don't forget that he never leaves you or forsakes you. Even when things seem dark, even though I walk through the valley of shadow, the valley of the shadow of death, as some um, translations put it, Psalm 23, the Lord is with us. Don't be led by your feelings. If, if your feelings are saying, I feel so deserted, remember <coughs> Be still and know that I am God. The end of this, uh, verse 11 says, The God of Jacob is our fortress. That's one of those little Old Testamenty bits of the, this psalm, isn't it? Where we've got, you know, the God of Jacob? Oh. Jacob, of course, was renamed Israel. He, in a sense, was the father of the nation. His 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. Uh, the, you know, they were the people of Israel, of Jacob. But the psalmist doesn't use the, the covenant name here, Israel. He goes back to Jacob's name because here we're talking about an individual who <laughs> whose God uh, ruled over him. And perhaps if you look back over the story of Jacob, you'll realize what an odd character he was sly, a liar, manipulative. Uh, he, he wasn't a really commendable person for much of his life until the point came where he ended up wrestling with God. And he, <laughs> he wasn't going to let God get his own way until God just touched his hip. And his hip was dislocated. And he ended up clinging to, uh, to God, realizing actually he wasn't just fighting any ordinary man. And at that point, he humbled himself before God, clung to him and said, 
please bless me. Please, you know, we might come to God and say, Lord, have mercy on me. Forgive me. I know what I really am like and I know it's not right. Please save me and help me. And this psalmist talks about the God of Jacob being our refuge and our strength. If God can come to someone like a Jacob with all his strange ways and, uh, and views and practices and help him and rescue him and save him, then he can do the same for us. He is willing. Let's trust him. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that you are our refuge and strength. Lord, we know that we will face difficulties ahead. Maybe things which we would not ever have dreamt could happen here. And difficulties which we prefer not to think about that we know are very likely to happen to us as we, uh, uh, as we continue our lives. Lord, have mercy on us, we pray. Forgive us that we have not trusted you as we should. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came into this world to rescue us, to suffer and to die for us, and that you are our Lord and Saviour. May we remember you. Help us to be still and give ourselves to you, for you are our God and we are your people. Amen.